So it's great to be with you. It's great to be in the building. So let me just say hi to you. Hello. Front on. Now you're going to see my profile. I'm not sure if this is my best side. But this is where you get you down the camera. Get me full on. Sorry about that. But I'm here tonight to speak to you from God's word. Janty's prayers. Well, our worship and then Janty's prayers have set us up beautifully. And um, I've been really moved so far already. But we're carrying on with um, our series tonight on building back up from solid foundations. And today, we're thinking about the need to put relationship over religion in order for our foundations to be sound. And I think it's really important to, um, to look at this, as it can be easy to miss the mark, because religion lulls us into a false sense of security. It can make us think we've done all that's required for the relationship, while in reality, we may have completely neglected it. And to be clear, when I use the word religion in this context, what I'm referring to are the things we do in our service and our worship of God. And it doesn't matter what tradition you come from, we all have our religious trappings that can become more important to us than the reason we're doing them in the first place. Whether it's worship songs or liturgy or communion or hymns, or sermons, or prayer ministry, all things we do here at All Saints, and they are wonderful, precious things. Still, they can so easily become what we long for, rather than our longing being for the one we do them for and to whom they point. And the course Keys to Freedom puts it in this, I think, really helpful way. It says, sometimes people especially those raised in church-going homes, can grow up knowing everything there is to know about God and yet never actually get to know him. They can quote the words, but they don't necessarily believe it. They can sing the worship songs, yet have no worship in their hearts. God can become a religion, not a relationship, and church can be a social club and a tradition that's part of their community culture. When people think they have always been saved, they can go through life with no real expectation or knowledge of what God can do and who God is to them. Our faith, our status as Christian, is not a box to tick on a form, but it's an encounter with the living God, a relationship with him through Jesus Christ, and a life lived in community with the Holy Spirit. And I'd just like to repeat that last sentence. Our faith, our status as Christian, is not a box to tick on a form, but it's an encounter with the living God. It's a relationship with him through Jesus Christ. And it's a life lived in community with the Holy Spirit. And I am not alone in believing this is one of the most important lessons God is teaching us through this season the need to rely less on the activities and the trappings of our faith, knowing that, yes, they are good and helpful when used properly, but also knowing they are not essential to our salvation and they are not essential to our continuing faith. They are a means to an end. That end being relationship with God, our Heavenly Father, through Jesus, made real to us through the Holy Spirit who lives in us. That relationship is what is essential. 
And this is one of the points the Apostle Paul was continually trying to get across to the churches he wrote to. And our reading tonight from Colossians is an example of it, and I'm just going to read that now. If you want to read along on your phone or in a Bible, then please do that. It's Colossians chapter 2, verses 1 to 15. So I'm reading from Colossians chapter 2, verses 1 to 15. And here the Apostle Paul is speaking to the church there, and he says, I want you to know how much I'm struggling for you and for those at Laodicea and for all who have not met me personally. My purpose is that they may be encouraged in hearts and united in love so that they may have the full riches of complete understanding in order that they may know the mystery of God, namely Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. I tell you this so that no one may deceive you by fine-sounding arguments. For though I am absent from you in body, I am present with you in spirit and delight to see how orderly you are and how firm your faith in Christ is. So then, just as you receive Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught and overflowing with thankfulness. See to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy which depends on human tradition and the basic principles of this world rather than on Christ. For in Christ all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form and you have been given fullness in Christ who is the head over every power and authority. In him you are also circumcised in the putting off of the sinful nature, not with a circumcision done by the hands of men, but with the circumcision done by Christ, having been buried with him in baptism and raised with him through your faith in the power of God who raised him from the dead. When you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your sinful nature, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all our sins, having canceled the written code with its regulations that was against us and that stood opposed to us. He took it away, nailing it to the cross, and having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. So we see, once again, for the Apostle Paul, it was all about Jesus. He didn't want those early Christians to be distracted by anything else. And we, 2,000 years later, still have the same battle to remember and to put into practice the relationship over the religion. And I believe we owe it to the world to show them what a relationship with God looks like. People have rejected religion, but they are longing for relationship. And a relationship with God is ultimately what we were created for. And I do believe that for most of us, those of us here, those of us watching, if we're involved in church, that is our heart's desire, for the focus of our faith not to be about the things we do or where we do them, no matter how good and worthy, but for it to be about an intimate relationship with our God. So with that in mind, I want to focus on three unique things I've learned about this essential relationship over the years. And the first is that, ta-da, it's unlike any other relationship you've known before, you currently know, or will ever know. Our relationship with God operates by a different set of rules than our relationships with people. And as I said, I think our desire is for our relationship with God to be the main thing. But there's no getting away from the fact that it can be challenging to be in a relationship with someone you can't physically see, 
hear or touch, even on a screen. Um, if it were easier, I like to think we wouldn't find ourselves leaning so much on the religious trappings. But the truth is, our relationship with God is a spiritual one. And it doesn't come that naturally for us to see beyond the physical and material world to the spiritual. And I'm aware it can be harder for some than others. But for all of us, especially in the West, the way we're trained and taught, it is a real challenge. But that's how it is, and we must work on it and develop our eyes of faith that can see beyond the physical and the material. And not only that, the Apostle Paul tells us we must be rooted, we must be built up, established in this faith. And something that is necessary, absolutely crucial to this process, is getting to know God through his words, the Bible. Now, the Bible is something we can see, we can hear, we can touch. But again, I'm aware it can be challenging. A book written across thousands of years and cultures but if you want to develop your relationship with someone, you need to get to know them. And the Bible is God's story. And it's the story of his relationship with people. Now, and those people, they're coming from very different cultures from us and often from each other, nevertheless share the same human nature with each other and with us. And if we apply ourselves to reading the Bible, to getting to know it, we will learn, grow, and develop in our relationship with God. Um, I heard a great uh, thing that Jordan Sang said, he's a leader of a big church in Hawaii, and he said this, if you only know a few scriptures, that will help you in a few parts of your life. You need the big picture of scripture to help you with all of life. And I think that is so true. Now, if you find the Bible impenetrable, you won't have been the first but there are so many resources to help. There's really no excuse not to get into it. There are different versions. There are so many Bible reading notes. There are apps. Ask a friend who's a bit further on with it than you. What do they do? Um, that there are ways to do it. I, during lockdown and with my knee broken, decided I was going to read the Bible through from the beginning. And I'm up to the middle of Isaiah. So I read it on my phone. I find it interesting because I've never done that before, really. I've always read it from the book. But this way, I focus on a chapter at a time. And then I read a commentary on the chapter. And I'm discovering all sorts of new, interesting things um, by doing that. There's always more to learn and discover. But don't fall into the trap of then reading your Bible in a religious way. Don't let reading it, ticking a box, yet done that today, become more important than the reason you're reading it, which is to develop your relationship. And also in this unique relationship, we need to talk to and we need to listen to God. In other words, we need to pray. And when we pray, we need to be open and real with God, making space to allow him to speak back. Even when you're not sure your prayers are going anywhere, and we all have those experiences where we just feel like we're talking to the ceiling, um, I would say especially when you're not sure what your prayers are going anywhere, pray. God is listening, whether you feel like he is or not. Um, as that song, Restore My Soul, has a great line, even when the silence falls around me, I know you hear me. And again, if you're not sure where to start, there are many resources. But start with the Lord's Prayer. We did a series on it earlier this year, looking at it line by line. 
or personalize and pray one of the prayers of the Apostle Paul at the beginning of most of the books he wrote, the letters he wrote. He prays a prayer for the people he's writing to. Personalize it. Pray it for yourself. I do that. Take one of the Psalms. Personalize it. Make it a prayer for yourself. And again, there are many other resources available. Have a chat with your friends. How do you pray? What do you find useful? I know someone who used to put a chair in front of them when they were a new Christian and um, would talk to the chair like God was in it to help them get used to the idea of praying to this invisible God. So the point is, God is faithful. And if you are serious about your relationship with him, where it may feel a bit dull and black and white, he will bring greater color and definition to your interactions with him as you get to know him through reading the Bible and praying. But be prepared. Although there can be instantaneous change, and we all have those experiences, it's also the case that it's a lifetime process because there's always more to discover in our relationship with God. So we keep going and we keep growing. And the second thing about this relationship is that, yes, God is unseen, but we have an advantage over those we read about in the Old Testament because we have the revelation of Jesus. Jesus, a real person who lived, breathed, and walked this earth. And Jesus is still alive now, sitting at the right hand of the Father, we're told. So once again, yes, unseen by our physical eyes. However, the great news is we can read about him in the Bible and we can know him through the Holy Spirit. In the chapter before what I read in, in chapter 2, in Colossians chapter 1, there's this really, really beautiful uh, description of Jesus where it says, the Son, that's Jesus, is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in Jesus, all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities. All things have been created through him and for him. Jesus is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And Jesus is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in Jesus, and through him to reconcile, himself to all, reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through Jesus' blood shed on the cross. Now, those are such profound verses. They deserve repeated rereading and meditating on. But at their most basic, they're saying that in Jesus, we see and we can know God. No, we can't know what he looks like, but we can know his character. And my advice is that um, when you're feeling disconnected or confused in your relationship with God, remember a story of Jesus. That's, that's what I often do. I call to mind the many-faceted nature of Jesus in so many situations. His kindness, his power, his humility, his wisdom. I think about when he interacted, for instance, with the woman at the well, at the home of Mary and Martha, and dealing with those same sisters another time when he raises Lazarus, their brother from the dead, or how he taught his disciples at the Last Supper, um, just to name a few of the snapshots we get of Jesus. So, yes, it is a unique relationship, and that is a spiritual one. But we do have the person of Jesus to relate to, who shows us the Father, and is manifested in our lives by the Holy Spirit. 
And the third thing to remember is that it is not an equal relationship. I know, if you think about it for even a second, that's blindingly obvious. But I feel it needs to be said because it's so counter to how we're taught and conditioned by our democratic egalitarian culture. And that's all very good when it comes to human relationships, but not when it comes to the created, that's us, relating to our creator, that's God. And when I was preparing this talk and praying about it, and I do like to have a nap, so I was praying um, about it and I kind of fell asleep, and I woke up with an image of a screwdriver on top of a screw. And I just felt God saying, that's kind of what it's like, our relationship's like. You're the screw, I put you where I want you, and I'm the one who does, does the turning and I make it work. If you want a more um, biblical, traditional image, we could go with the clay and the potter. The clay doesn't decide what it's going to be. It doesn't tell the potter what to do with it. The potter's job to mold and to make the clay. It's not an equal relationship. And yes, I know Jesus describes himself and is described as our friend and brother, which can kind of make us think of him as being our equal. But instead, that just proves how amazing our God is. He brings himself down to our level so we can begin to understand what he's like. So yes, in some very important ways, he is our friend and brother, but he's also so, so much more. No one else can be who God is or do what God does. We're told in Hebrews 4.16 to approach his throne of grace with confidence, and we can be tempted to put the focus on us being confident and forget the bit about the throne. And what that image, the throne, would have symbolized to the original readers of Hebrews. A throne meant that whoever sat on it had absolute power and authority over everything, over the law, over people's security, over their provision, over the distribution of land, as well as the ultimate say over individual lives. Life and death were in the hands of the one who sat on the throne. And to be honest, I think that when we do realize, when we remember, when we have a revelation of how powerful God is, that all those things are true of him, it can be a little scary for all sorts of reasons, and we can end up retreating to the safety of religion rather than invest in relationship with such an awesome presence. And I know that's true because it was my experience for many years, and I know it's been the same for many others I've talked to and prayed with. Because God is always pursuing wholeness, healing, transformation for us, and then through us to others, as is clearly shown through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. It can feel like the safer option to keep him at arm's length by simply going through the motions, rather than to really allow his power to touch our lives. Because when we allow him access, when we give him permission to do his work, we are handing over control, and that can feel a scary place to be. But the truth is, there is no better, there's no safer place to be. As it describes in the Passion Translation, a bit more modern language um, at the end of our reading, it says, Jesus canceled our every legal violation we had on our records and the old arrest warrant that stood to indict us. He erased it all, our sins, our stained soul. He deleted it all, and it cannot be retrieved. 
Everything we once were in Adam has been placed onto his cross and nailed permanently there as a public display of cancellation. Then Jesus made a public spectacle of all the powers and principalities of darkness, stripping away from them every weapon and all their spiritual authority and power to accuse us. And by the power of the cross, Jesus led them around as prisoners in a procession of triumph. And he did not do all of that so we um, could just engage in religious rituals. He did it so we could be in relationship with him. Because God is who he is, only he can bring us healing where we've been wounded. Only he can redeem the brokenness of our lives. Only he can deliver us from darkness and break the chains that bind us. Only he can give us access to eternity spent with him. No human relationship, no matter how good or fulfilling, can do that. And religion on its own definitely can't do that. So yes, it is a relationship that is a uniquely spiritual one that a revelation of Jesus helps us with, but it is not an equal relationship. He is Lord, he's the boss, he's the king, he's the one in charge. Whatever language helps you to remember, you are not the one calling the shots, he is. And though that may make you feel uneasy because you want to be the ultimate authority in your life, you can rest assured that the one you've handed control over to is good and he wants the best for you. It's like that famous line from the Narnia Chronicles when one of the children asks, um, is Aslan a tame lion? And the answer is, no, he's not tame, but he is good. And just to finish, there's one last important thing to mention, which is that in this relationship, we must be prepared to wait. Because God is not in a hurry, but we usually are. However, remember, God knows the beginning from the end, and his timing, although sometimes painful to us in our flesh because we want our results yesterday, his timing is always spot on. And I think when we have to wait, sometimes people can think, you know, can revert to the religion rather than the relationship. But we need to think about Abraham. How long did he have to wait to see the fulfillment of the promise? Joseph in prison, waiting, waiting. David, anointed king, and then waiting and waiting to become king. So many psalms he writes about waiting. Uh, just one, Psalm 27, 14, wait for the Lord. Be strong and take heart and wait for the Lord. And then Paul in his chains, waiting there in prison, um, writing to the churches, wanting them to invest in their relationship. He was in that place, but he knew for him there was nowhere better, nowhere better to be because for him, relationship with God was the most important thing. So let's just take some time to pray. So Heavenly Father, we thank you that you made us for relationship with you. Thank you that you created us with a God-shaped whole that only you can fulfill. Only you can meet our deepest needs. Lord, it's, we know it's what the world is longing for, for relationship with their creator. So I pray for those of us who know you, who call on your name, that, Lord, we would grow in this awareness of the longing you have to be in deeper relationship with us. And Lord, we say we're sorry for any time we put religion, the things we do for you or the things about you, 
over relationship with you. And we thank you for the privilege of being in relationship with you. Help each one of us to know where to put our feet, where to step next to grow in this, to discover more of the wonder of you. And as we do that, to understand more about ourselves and we can help those around us. And if you are um, listening to this, watching this, and you don't really get what a relationship with God is about, but he, 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 just know he's waiting for you. He's longing for you to turn to him. And you do that by, by believing in Jesus, what he did, how he came and gave his life for you. So Holy Spirit, we just pray you'd be at work in each of us, wherever we are. Thank you, Lord, that we are united in you, wherever we are, whatever we're doing. That because we have this relationship with you, you've built us together as a family, with you as our Heavenly Father. Just help us to continue to grow. And Lord, I pray you'd guide us in just using the words from the end of Psalm 139, where it says, Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Thank you, God, you are faithful to answer. Amen. Amen.